if you really knew how to sell, you would be able to create pipeline. The whole notion of saying, <laughs> I can sell, but I don't know how to create pipeline is, is an oxymoron. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we're going to discuss how to modernize your outside sales team and how to succeed in the new era of B2B sales. We've got, uh, we've got Tony Hughes with us today, and Tony is a management consultant who specializes in B2B sales strategy. He's an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, leading sales consultant, and an award-winning sales blogger. His B2B sales blogs have over 260,000 followers and is the most read LinkedIn author on the topic of sales leadership. He was twice ranked number one blogger globally on the topic of sales. Tony's an experienced CEO and company director with 35 years of leadership experience, and he's ranked as the most influential person in professional selling by top sales magazine in Asia Pacific. So quite a, quite a resume there, uh, there, Tony. That's really impressive. Um, I'm really excited to have you on the, on the show today. I've, you know, I've read your stuff for years. Um, what, uh, what key trends do you see in B2B sales and how do they impact outside sales in particular? Well, Steve, it's really good to have me on the show. Thank you so much. And I feel like it's all downhill after an introduction like that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, look, as, as far as key trends go, um, let me tell you the biggest alarming thing that I see. The failure rates in B2B selling uh, for field sellers and for inside sales reps as well uh, is trending down. Uh, the, the more you go to high-end solutions, the higher the failure rates are. So, it's not uncommon to have organizations where 70% plus uh, of their salespeople actually missing their numbers. So, so one of the trends is that the, the failure rates are climbing. And if you sort of think, well, why, why is that? It's never been easier at one level for salespeople to go be successful. Um, tools like, like Sales Navigator, all of the sales intelligence tools that we've got to source people's cell phone numbers, find ways to get to them, find common connections, uh, find context for outreach, monitor trigger events, all of that tech Mm -hmm. uh, has, has never been uh, more available to us, yet failure rates are higher. And, and there's a whole bunch of reasons as to why. Um, so maybe I'll just talk about a, a, a few of those and we can maybe go a little deeper. Yeah, because so, that was yeah. actually my next question. Because, and I've, and I've, I've definitely seen that as well. Um, you know, obviously, with what I do, I've, I talk to a lot of sales leaders and managers and VPs of sales. And, and this is a trend that I've seen, although, and I have my theories on why that is, but I, I, I want to hear yours. <laughs> Well, let's, let, let's look at the two sides of the coin. So let's look at, at why that trend is so from the point of view of the world of the salesperson. So, so what's gone on in selling in the last 20 years is there's been this move to separate the process of creating sales pipeline from the process of progressing qualified opportunities through to close. And there's been that inside sales rep. So the ISR, VDR role, the inside seller that's responsible for taking leads from the website, qualifying them and running outbound to create leads that they hand off to field sellers. Mm -hmm. um, that model, in my view, is becoming increasingly broken. Uh, and the truth is that there's no field seller in B2B selling on the face of the planet 
that is going to get, in my view, anywhere, any more than sort of 40, maybe 60%, you know, often it's just 20%, but of their number from leads from marketing and from that inside sales function. So yeah. all field sellers have got to go and create their own sales pipeline. So they've got to stop complaining that they're not getting enough leads and they've got to go and create them. So every, every B2B seller has got to have both oars in the water every day. <laughs> the oar in the water of, of creating pipeline and the other oar in the water of progressing opportunities. So they, they must absolutely be doing both. Yeah. And, well, I mean, that, and, and that makes yeah. a tremendous amount of sense to me. I mean, so when I was in, when I was carrying a bag myself, that was, you know, I, I bet that I got between oh, in a given year, 25 and 40% of the leads from, from marketing and inside sales and the rest I sourced and, and through, yeah. through emails and, and it was, it was, we didn't call it, um, we didn't, we didn't call it, uh, we just call it, we didn't call it marketing then we just t- called it part of the job. I mean, now, now there's lots of names for it in, in the modern world, but you know, it was just, that was, and that was understood. So I guess your theory is that people are failing today because we've actually drank our own Kool-Aid too much that everything should be separated. And, and we've actually said, okay, these guys shouldn't even be doing anything. So they're actually, cause they were telling me the same thing, you know, predict, the book predictable Re- revenue had come out and everyone yeah. read it. They were telling me, Oh yeah, you should be focused on sales. You should be focused on sales. And I'm like, well, my, my, but, but no one was really drinking the Kool-Aid on that yet to the point that like they weren't actually expecting us to generate leads. So I guess your theory is that they're actually, they're now fully, the the Kool-Aid's fully drank and we're, the outside people just really aren't, aren't (laughs) generating their own leads. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Aaron Ross and Mary Lou Tyler who wrote, wrote predictable revenue. Mary Lou, Mary Lou Tyler has written a new book called predictable prospecting, which is a great book. So I really like Mary Lou. I I did pick that up and, and I I was on a, I was speaking on a panel with her recently and it's fantastic and her ideas are fantastic. They are. And, and they worked and, and basically, Mm -hmm. you know, that model of separation was based on a case study with how Salesforce really, really drove their business and, and it works. So I'm not saying it doesn't work, but the reality is the sales for the field seller has got to go and get leads as well. So, and while right. we're on the topic, while we're on the topic of drinking Kool-Aid, the, the other thing that's going on is, is uh, both inside sales reps and field sales reps have all drunk the social selling Kool-Aid where they think, wow, you know, I don't need to really call people anymore. It's all digital. You know, I'll groom my brand in LinkedIn. Uh, I'll do digital and social and then leads will come to me. Um, and a lot of sellers are confusing social marketing with social selling. They're two really different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when people say to me, hey, Tony, look, I know how to sell. I know how to sell. The only problem I've got is I don't have enough leads. I take a step back. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm outside of striking distance. And I say to them, look, if you really knew how to sell, you would be able to create pipeline. The whole notion of saying <laughs> I can sell, but I don't know how to create pipeline is is an oxymoron you've got to be able to create pipeline if you think you can sell so um and and people are you know today just treating the phone like it's covered in spiders you know we've all got this hardwired bias to avoid rejection and we all misinterpret we misinterpret someone not getting back to us we misinterpret them ignoring us as them rejecting us mm-hmm. and people aren't rejecting us they're just busy so so the reason for failure in, in, in my view today, these high failure rates is, is people are neglecting the phone. They're not taking responsibility for building pipe. And then they also have the wrong kind of narrative. 
Um, there's no point getting busy and running outreach to create sales pipeline if you don't have the right narrative. We need to stop talking about us and what we do and how it works. And we need to talk about the customer and their world and their problems and the opportunities that they have to, to improve their business and, and, and personal life in the way that they operate. So sellers have got to get back to being passionate, true believers about the difference they can make in the customer's life. Mm -hmm. And then that they've got to make the message all about the customer instead of all about themselves. They've got to get back on the phone, but they've got to run combinations because my latest book, Combo Prospecting, that I've just put out, it's been published by HarperCollins and the American Management Association. Um, uh, what I say in this book is that phone on its own doesn't work digital on its own doesn't work, email on its own doesn't work. Um, what we need to do is we need to get combinations. We need to phone, leave a voicemail, send an email and even text the person. You want the prospect, you know, having their phone ring and they go, well, I don't know who this is, I'll dump the call. Next thing, they, they, they get a ding in their phone that they've got a voicemail. They're listening to that voicemail. Then they open their email. There's an email there. They even get a text message and they think, holy hell, this person's determined I may as well call them back. Um, so that's, that's really important. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of the coin about why it's more difficult and why there's these headwinds for sellers is if we look at, at the buyer's world, they themselves are faced with a, a white wall of noise that's hitting them every day. They're, they're, they're busy, they're stressed. Buyers are increasingly skeptical of all of the claims that, that sellers make. They mm -hmm. feel empowered. They think, you know what, if, if I need something in this particular area, I'll fire, up Google, I'll fire up Google and I'll go find the person. I don't need to be talking to salespeople to get information. I can get my own information when I need it. Right. There's, al there's also the rise of consensus-based decision-making. So even senior leaders are thinking, well, I'm not just going to you know, try and drive something through the organization like a bull in a china shop. I've got to get consensus uh, to, to manage our risk and make sure we do the change management piece and we get adoption. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot more people to cover in a sale. Um, average deal size is actually getting smaller, um, especially if you're in, in the software or tech sector. People tend to want to start smaller before they'll, they'll actually decide to grow. So all of this means we've got to modernize the way that we sell. Um, we've got to really up our game in our level of effectiveness and productivity. So how would you say, and, and you just brought up a ton of amazing points. I mean, one that jumped out to me was your, your thoughts around overcoming consensus selling or overcoming consensus-based decision-making within the organization that you're selling to. How would you recommend a field salesperson take, what strategies would you recommend for a field salesperson who wants to overcome that bias towards consensus-based consensus, consensus decision-making? Well, well, the first thing in, in life, not, not just business and sales, is that alignment is easier and more productive than evangelism. So every seller and every market or every business owner needs to be very clear about what their ideal customer profile is. So what does an ideal customer really look like? And then within that ideal customer profile, we need to very clearly define the buyer personas that are the people that form consensus for a decision for them to become our customer. So we need to think about what are those roles? What does their day look like? What's important to them? What outcomes do they seek to achieve? What risks do they see and seek to manage? What KPIs are used to, to manage the inputs that can go and achieve those objectives? Um, who influences them? So, so we need to really have a clear idea of those buyer personas so that we can tailor our message. And what we're looking for inside an organization is a senior person 
who can basically be the person that can rally change inside the organization. They're the one that can carry the business case internally. So, so have an ideal customer profile, know what a great customer looks like, and then go after them. And the way we can modernize selling is to use tools to be able to profile target uh, organizations more effectively. Mm-hmm. Then, then understand the three, four, five, seven different people in that organization that form consensus for a decision. Go at all of them concurrently. The big mistake I see sellers make is they very linear in their approach. They'll think, mm-hmm. well, I want to go with this person and they phone and they leave a voicemail. Um, maybe two days later, they send an email, then they call back a week later, but they don't leave a message because they don't want to look, they don't want to look desperate Mm -hmm. and it's all too slow. It's all too slow. You you know, three quarters have gone by and they still have no traction in the account or they, or they start too low. And now that one person they're talking to becomes a blocker and Mm -hmm. says, you know, don't, don't go above me. You know, I'll carry this message for you. And they lie to the seller and they fail to carry their message. They, they're disconnected from real um, economic and political power inside the organization. So, so we need to get all of those people concurrently. We need to have um, multiple points of outreach. We need to g- go at people in every channel until we find the channel that is best for that person to engage with. Absolutely. That, that makes a ton of sense. What uh, you mentioned some modernization tools for for sales teams, which, which modernization and which tools in general do you, do you recommend to help a a sales team both focus better on, on figuring out who the consensus through the, who focus on the people who are going to make, get to be the consensus based decision makers. And also how do you figure out how to get the right message in front of all of them with these tools? Yes, yeah, so if we have a look at tools at, at the most basic level, we all agree that, that everyone needs a phone and an email account. Um, and then if you only had one other tool, if you were only allowed to have three things, so your mm-hmm. phone and email are the first two, the third thing you've got to have is LinkedIn sales navigator. Yeah. Because you know, there's five, as we recording this now, there's about 540 million people that are in LinkedIn, two people mm-hmm. join a second. It's the global yellow pages. It's the global database for anyone in B2B selling, especially for white collar professionals. Mm-hmm. And that's why Microsoft paid $26.2 billion for it. You know, it's just, <laughs> it was, it was, it was amazing. Um, so, and what Sales Navigator does is that it helps you to find organizations. It'll tell you whether they're growing. It'll help you identify the power base of people inside that organization mm-hmm. and see what they're thinking, what they're writing, what they're, what, you know, what they're talking about in discussion groups. You can go and find, is there any common connection? You can start to join the dots and even figure out, you know, what sort of competitors that you're looking at as, as far as people that are incumbent or also targeting. Mm-hmm. So, so sales navigator would be the third thing. The next thing you've got to have, absolutely have to have is a CRM. Most people implement their CRM in an awful way. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, in its worst form, CRM is some contacts database and manage up pipeline tool that no one believes right but crm needs to be implemented uh you know as a thing that enables sales process and if you're using it to enable the sales process in other words what i mean by that is that if you call some up and you've got to do discovery and qualification you're running discovery and qualification questions all of that should be captured into the crm system Mm -hmm. and when that salesperson wants some resources to pursue the opportunity 
they cannot get those resources unless the deal's at a certain stage with a certain level of information. So, so that's an example of, of, of having it actually enable process. Yeah. Um, so you need, C, you need CRM implemented well. And, um, you know, obviously the global leading CRM is, is the Salesforce platform, which is brilliant. It's got great, and it's got great integration to Sales Navigator. Mm-hmm. Then, then the next kind of tools you need is you need sales intelligence tools, you know, so there's things like Datanize and Lucia and, um, all sorts of other tools that will give you people's cell phone numbers uh, and email addresses. At a really basic level, there's, there's free things like Reportive, which is a, a plugin in Chrome for Gmail where you can figure out what the email addresses are for people that you're targeting. So, mm-hmm. so you need a, a basic level of those sales intelligence tools. Um, and I guess later we'll talk a little bit about AI, but, but at the most basic level, that's absolutely what every seller needs. All right. What, uh, so those are the tools that the seller needs to be successful in the modern world. What about, uh, can you name some concrete strategies, um, around, uh, areas to look forward to adapt in your sales process in the modern world? Yeah. So if you want to modernize your approach, basically what we're doing is we're getting away from a clumsy interrupt and push model of selling to instead attract and engage. Mm-hmm. So let, let me talk about a couple of interesting things here. There's the, these are two timeless truths. Um, and, and that is that the fastest path to revenue with the highest probability of actually making a sale comes from two things. It comes from trigger events and from referrals. And, and these things are timelessly true. There's, there's nothing new here. But what a trigger event does is it gives you context for outreach. So imagine, for example, that you were a sales rep selling CRM software the highest probability of you making a sale quickly is for you to find out about a brand new head of sales being appointed into a big growing business mm-hmm. because that, that new person coming in is going to have about a five month window with their boss, the CEO, where they can basically get whatever they want because they're the, the golden haired child that's going to fix everything. Um, <laughs> so they'll, so they'll, they'll get resourced, they'll get approval and they want to change things. People that have been in roles for a long time that we're trying to sell to, it's really hard to overcome inertia, overcome the status quo, because those people see innovation or change. They see those two things simply as a lot of work and risk. So we're looking for new people into roles is the most common form of a powerful trigger event. And then if we can find a common connection, someone who can introduce us, what that does is it begins the relationship with trust. So trigger events begin conversations with good context and referrals begin relationships with trust. And you can't do business with anybody unless there's trust. And the degree of trust determines the velocity. It'll, it'll determine how fast and how big that deal is going to be. So, you know, what you can do with technology and in modernizing your approach is use technology to monitor for trigger events and find common connections or points of com- commonality that start to build trust. Um, so, so they're two really key things. And then the other thing with modernizing the way that we sell is we need to recognize that 75% of buyers research us before they choose to engage. So if we run any form of outreach, people will have a look back at us before they decide, do they really want to take a meeting with us? And you've got to ask yourself the question, what do they see when they look at us online, when they see our LinkedIn profile? Do, do they see low level, quota crushing Porsche driving sales rep mm-hmm. or, or do they see someone with industry domain expertise and insight that's got a relevant point of view that can provide value in a conversation if I met with them and they seem like they've got 
awesome credibility and good values by which they operate. So we all need to move away from our LinkedIn profile being our online CV and instead have our LinkedIn profile being a personal branding microsite that represents our brand really well. That That's great advice and really important. I, and I see that all the time where people have, you look at their LinkedIn profile and it reads just like a resume and it's such a wasted opportunity to, to advertise to the people that you're potentially trying to sell to. What would you say are some skills that managers should be looking for when they're hiring for their outside sales team with, with all this stuff that you're talking about in mind? Yeah, so if, if you're an outside seller that's, that's watching or listening to this or a sales manager, um, uh, t- to me, the most valuable qualities in people are things like curiosity. You know, we want people that are genuinely curious about their customer's world. Um, we're, we're, not af- we're not after narcissistic egomaniacs that are about them making their sale and, and hitting their number and crushing quota. It's all about making a positive difference in the life of our customer. And to be able to do that well, we need to be naturally curious about them and their world, what their problems are and what they really need to achieve. Um, the, the other thing that you want to look for in people is they, they need to be smart, but they need to also have a strong work ethic. So we want intelligent people with a strong work ethic that are all about other people rather than themselves and are naturally curious about their customer's world. Um, so, you know, we've always known that we want people with high IQ and good EQ, you know, good, good emotional intelligence. They're self-aware. They relate to others well, mm-hmm. but there's, but there's a third thing we need today. And that's, and that's TQ. We need technical quotient. We need people that understand how to use all of these technologies and tools. So, so typically we've got millennials coming into the workplace that are savvy with tech, but they don't typically have those timeless attributes that create success in B2B selling. And at the other end of the spectrum, we've got, you know, the older seasoned field salespeople that struggle to understand how they should be using the technology to up their game and increase their productivity. Really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess you kind of need to have a, in a perfect world, you find people with a balance. I, I find with hiring all the time that you're, you're often you're like, you're stuck in between two things in two areas where you really like to have both of the, both of the characteristics, but you can't get everything you want. And so we, you know, I, I've ended up compensating for that by, by really investing in training and building skills on our team. Yeah. Is there, is yeah. there a direction that you, if, if you have to make a choice between TQ and EQ, which way, which way do you go? Uh, well, I'd, I would definitely go EQ because you can, you can teach technical things, but you can't change the, the, the way a person's wired. You can't really change their values. Um, and the thing we all know is that it's easy to hire someone and make the decision based on skills, qualifications, and experience because they're, they're, they're visible and they're, and they're easy to sort of test and scratch past the surface with. But all of the risk in hiring anybody, especially in sales, does not come from those three areas. All of the risk actually comes from their values. You know, are they a cultural fit for the way that you run your team within your organization? Um, so typically we need, we end up firing people because they're not, not a good cultural fit. They, they don't have the right values. And mm-hmm. that's a much hard, that's a much harder thing to assess. So, um, and, and having high EQ, I think is a big contributor to, to someone being able to operate the right way with other people. 
Um, but look, the thing is, I know it's a bit of a non-answer, but we need people that have it all. <laughs> you know, it's like I've I've I've, yeah. I've had I've had idiot salespeople say to me in the past, "Hey, Tony, do you want me to fill in the CRM or do you want me to be out there selling?" And I say, "I want you to do both." Yeah, <laughs> like that's that that's that's like a pilot saying to me, "Do you want me to fly the plane or do you want me to fill in the logbook?" Well, I want you to do both. I like do both. You're a professional. <laughs> do both. It's you know, it's the same as a doctor. You know. Do you, want, do you want me to look at you and, and your medical condition or, or do you want me to, to keep records? I, I want you to do both. You need to keep good records and, and yes, you need to focus on me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we want people that have got all of it. I, uh, that, that's, uh, that is the ideal. I, I, I find that it's easier to teach the technology than it is to teach the EQ kind of, kind of characteristics. Agree. And, and you can also, you can prop someone up who maybe doesn't understand the the technology as well with, with assistance from junior members of the team, et cetera, um, for a time being while they're learning it. But it's really, it's, it's harder to give someone, well, it's just harder to train those, those skills that take 20 years to learn, you know, those those softer, those softer skills of how to really manage a sales cycle. It's just, it's, it's, it's art and it's science and it takes a long time to, to learn a lot of thought that goes into that. So many, it's, probably because it's a combination of 20 different skill sets that all need to be perfected. So many, so many abilities. What would you say, uh, in your opinion, the number one skill or characteristic, uh, people who are outside salespeople need to be successful today? Um, maybe answer that a slightly different way. The, the way that we open largely determines success rather than the way we try and close. Mm-hmm. So, so people who do really good research and can open the engagement really well and set the agenda on the right things are the most likely to be successful today. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think it's all about closing, but to me, you know, you're going to fail at closing no matter how clever you think you are, uh, unless you've opened the deal well and really anchored the sort of business case value and then navigate the politics of the organization to help build consensus for a decision. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking for people who do their research without trying to boil the ocean. <laughs> so they, they, they do pragmatic research, but they, they do their research and they'll go to the customer with a point of view. That's all about the customer. And then they're able to shape the conversation around a business case for working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense to me. Um, how would you define modernized selling? Modernized selling is really a case of bringing old school, timeless truths in selling together with new ways of being more productive and engaging. So modernized selling, for example, means going away from interrupt and push to attract and engage. So being able to write content, I, I think salespeople who cannot write uh, and a lot can't um, are increasingly in trouble. Mm. Um, because the, the digital world is a lot about written content. I know it's increasingly video, but if we want to be found, if we want to start to set an agenda and really build our credentials, we need to be able to, to, to do that well in the way that we write. Um, and then they need to be really good with tools. So, uh, it staggers me how many people in sales get given by their employer sales navigator, the LinkedIn sales navigator product, which is an, an awesome thing that people need. But then they, but then they just fumble around in the dark. They they have no clue on how to build a boolean search, for example. So to me, how can you call yourself a sales professional when you don't know how to construct good searches 
to go and find those key people that you need to engage. So, so being able to use technology well is really important. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and I'm kind of, what I'd like to do now is ask a, a couple questions, a, a series of questions in rapid succession. I call it sales in 60 seconds. <laughs> just, you know, sure. Um, so uh, try to answer in 60 seconds. And uh, it's, so, you know, so it's got some punch to it here. Um, so uh, what areas of the sales process is, are most affected by the changes in B2B sales and new technologies? Okay, so, so the middle, which is the, the field salespeople engaging and progressing and winning opportunities, is going to be the least affected. The most affected area is going to be that inside sales rep BDR role, the people that are trying to create pipeline. 80% of what they do, that's eight, zero percent of what they do is automatable. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of things happening. There's an amazing company in the USA called Outbound Works that's doing some very clever things with AI for lead generation. So that's mm -hmm. going to change, change dramatically. The other area that's changing dramatically is for sales managers. You know, if you're a sales manager that has your flamethrower in one hand and your Excel spreadsheet forecast in the other, you're increasingly in trouble. Companies like Salesforce are applying AI, their Einstein product, to do very accurate predictive forecasting. So if you implement mm -hmm. CRM in a way that enables the sales process, you will capture accurate data and then AI can provide amazing levels of accuracy with forecasting. So, so sales managers need to really focus more on being a good coach in the field. Really, that, it's really, it's a really interesting answer from my perspective because I, I, I obviously run a, a software company to help field salespeople with the middle of the funnel, the part that you say that yeah, it's not really, there's not really stuff for them. I'm like, oh, I've got something for them. <laughs> but, but, uh, but so what what mistake do a lot of sales managers make when leading an outside sales team? Yeah, sorry. And by the way, the middle of the funnel is so important. That's where all the deals go to die. It's really important. My, my first book was all about that phase of the sale as well. Mm -hmm. It's cri critically important. I just don't think the field sellers are as vulnerable to disruption and losing their jobs as, oh, sales, yeah. man as sales managers are and the, the ISR, BDR, inside salespeople are. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I wasn't. I mean, we, we obviously don't, we don't replace the salespeople. We give them a tool yeah. to help them yeah, 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 more yeah. successful. Yeah. But, the, but uh, it's, it's interesting. So you actually perceive these technologies that are, that are coming out both on the outbound side, so early in the sales funnel and late to be job replacers. Yeah. So what, 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 what's going to happen is the, the senior field salespeople that are great at carrying that conversation, building, building uh, the sort of business case are going to end up having a digital assistant, which is going to help give them leads, confirm their meetings. You know, just, just a couple of weeks ago, by the time this is published, it might, it might be, might be older news, but um, Google duplex, you know, was all revealed to the world where a mm -hmm. computer phones, phones businesses and talks to the people of those businesses and completely fools them. It, it phones them and books meetings and the people have no idea they're talking to a computer. Yeah. So, you know, now there's ethical issues. You don't want to deceive anybody, but, but the technology is rapidly advancing. That's going to provide people with a digital assistant. And the thing is, if as a sales manager, you spend most of your time grooming the forecast, well, the whole forecasting process is better automated. It's more accurate if you've got good data in your system. So um, sales managers, like there's already been a thinning of the herd in sales management. They've got, they've got more and more people 
organizations are flatter. You know, it's a, it's a really tough role as a sales manager. I've, I've worked as a sales manager. It's, it's like you live inside a sausage grinder. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I try not to make uh, life for my VP of sales, like living inside of a sausage grinder, but I, <laughs> but it, it, but I, yeah, I guess if you were, uh, I kind of break sales managers into two buckets kind of the, and, and hopefully people are doing both, but there's people that tend towards the being really good at the prediction and the forecasting more spreadsheet management. And then there's the player coach. And I, yeah. I don't see the, I don't see the demand going down for the player coaches who can really, Agreed. enable a team like step in and enable the team to all do you know 10% 15% better than they would have done without that person at the helm but but yeah i mean i guess i i do i think there's a lot of validity to your argument that the a lot of the stuff that the traditional spreadsheet manager did you know the high, the high level of focus on on the forecasting piece i guess a lot of that can be done by by ai that's uh, i i hadn't thought of that but um yeah yeah that's great I agree. I agree with you completely. The, the player coach is incredibly valuable because they're going to help lift the skills of people and, and convert more deals. Yeah. Um, well, we, we broke our uh, sales in 60 seconds there a little bit, but I was just, I was so, I was very interested in what you were saying. I was like, I can't let that, I have to, I have to dig in. I can't leave that sitting there. So uh, back to sales in 60 seconds, folks. Uh, what, uh, what types of incentives should managers put in place to make an outside sales team more successful? Well, obviously, obviously people get commission, but um, the thing is sales managers need to, to uh, measure and manage the input activities that create success rather than trying to manage outputs. Um, so that's really the important thing. So I don't think people should get any kind of bonus for just doing their job. Um, but we want to, we want to recognize people doing the right, the right input activities that will create their success and, and help them do those input activities. Well, fantastic. Well, in terms of actionable takeaways, what should the sales managers listening today do as a first step to modernize their field sales team and set them up for success? And we're out of the, we're, we're not doing the, the short answers now. You can take as long as you want on this one. <laughs> well, it's, 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 you want smart people that are emotionally intelligent that, be, that are becoming great with technology. Um, people have to become really good at using the stack of technology that's going to fuel and enable their success. So sales managers especially need, need to do that well. They need to focus on implementing their CRM in a way that enables process, gives their sellers back time, closes out the loop between sales and marketing. Uh, really, really important. And then the field salespeople have got to, you know, become masterfully good at using things like sales navigator and the, and the sales data intelligence tools, you know, that will source them, um, cell phone numbers, email addresses, all of those other things. Um, they're, they're probably the most critically important things for people to do. All right. And uh, as a top expert in, in, uh, in sales leadership and a successful sales consultant, what is your top advice that you would like to leave our listeners who are focused on field sales with? So, so my advice is this. It's whether you're a sales manager or an individual contributor, it's not about you it's about your customer and it's about your people if you're a sales manager. So leading and selling has always been about and should continue to be about helping other people achieve a far better state of affairs in their business and personal life. So, so love your people 
and be passionate about helping them have a far better state of affairs. All right. Well, I traditionally like to summarize what, uh, you know, what, what we've kind of covered and what I've learned from this. I, I try to take notes going along. And um, so the summary of what we've learned today is one of the biggest trends in B2B sales is that the failure rates of sellers are rising. The first reason for that is that sales sellers have to wear several hats and besides selling also have to create their own pipeline. Don't neglect the latter. Second, there are many neglect second many are neglecting the phone in the era of social media and lastly people often have the wrong narrative it needs to be more customer focused instead of only about themselves um we learned that there is a need to up your sales game and really focus on increasing productivity and efficiency with the right tools the most important tool that you can have in your sales arsenal is LinkedIn Sales Navigator. It's the global database for everyone in B two B sales, um, and uh, and that's the that's the that's the one other than I think you said a phone and email, right? You said that was the other one you would have, Tony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's by the way, they, Sales Navigator doesn't doesn't uh, they're not a sponsor of this show or anything, but I <laughs> I, I, I do I do have that product. It's uh, it's yeah. it's uh, um, it's a it's a huge one. Um, you should also use a CRM to enable your sales process and capture various customer data to sell more effectively. Uh, sales intelligence tools can also help you to get your buyer's email addresses. For example, tools like Reportive. Maybe I should try to get LinkedIn Sales Navigator to sponsor us. I don't know. I mean, they got. They just should. got. I mean, they, they, Microsoft paid twenty six billion for the company. I mean, maybe they. You know, a lot of people listen to this. Maybe they'd. Uh, <laughs> Maybe they'd kick me a couple grand or something. I mean, I'm not asking for a lot over here, Tony. I'm just <laughs> um, so the the key to modernizing your sales is to get away from the pushy sales approach and adopt the the attract and engage model. Referrals are a great way for to begin relationships with trust. Uh, curiosity is one of the most important sales skills that you need today. Being curious about your buyers' needs and goals is critical. Also, intelligence and a strong work, work <laughs> intelligence and a strong work ethic are crucial to success in outside sales. But today, not only IQ and EQ are important, but also something Tony called TQ, which is technical knowledge. And I, I had not heard that uh, term before. I don't know if I'm just out of the loop here, but is that your I think, term? I think I kind of invented it. I think <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great concept. Uh, so finally, keep in mind that opening is much more important than closing. If you open the deal well, you'll be far more successful. And as final advice, it's not about you. It's about your customer. So be passionate about helping them reach their goals and become more successful. So, uh, very good summary, Steve. Excellent. Very good. People tell me they like that because it's like it helps drill in everything they just heard, you know. It's great. Um, it's well, great. I, most people listening are driving while they're listening or cooking dinner or doing something else. So it's good to, it's good to hear things twice, you know. Um, so, Tony, uh, where can listeners read more about your work and how do they reach out to you if they want to? Yeah, so you can find me in LinkedIn. So just uh, search for Tony Hughes inside LinkedIn and follow my blog inside LinkedIn, my articles. I've got over 450 articles I've published there. Um, you can also find me if you're looking for a keynote speaker at your sales kickoff or events, uh, tonyhughes.com.au. 
is where you'll find my, my uh, public speaker website. My sales methodology website is rsvpselling.com. And my Twitter handle is Tony Hughes AU. And my two books, my first book is called The Joshua Principle, Leadership Secrets of Selling. It's about managing a complex sale. And my latest book that just got published by um, Amacom and HarperCollins is called Combo Prospecting. And it's about all of the combinations that you need to go build sales pipeline. A lot of good stuff on creating sales narrative. And that's available in bookshops. Uh, and also uh, the best way to get it is just on Amazon. Tony, it's been nothing short of fantastic having you on Outside Sales Talk today. Thanks, Steve. I've loved being on, on, the, on the show. Thank you so much.